0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from our 2023 Advent series, Christ the True and Better. During this series, we will explore how all of redemptive history pointed to Jesus, who is the true and better man, son, deliverer, and king. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be concluding our series or Somewhat concluding, because it reminds you tonight we are going to gather for our traditional Christmas Eve service, and I'll kind of wrap things up a little bit there. But we're going to be looking at how uh, Christ is the true and better king. We've seen how he fulfilled everything with Adam and being human, Isaac. Uh, And the sacrifice and the Lord's provision for us. We've seen how he's the fulfillment of Moses as a deliverer. Today, we want to see how he is the fulfillment of David as the king over God's people. And I'm going to take two passages out of the book of Luke in Luke chapter one. One is the angel's words to Mary, and then the second part is part of Zechariah's song of praise and prayer and thanksgiving to God uh, at the announcement that. Uh, john the baptist was going to be born so i encourage you hear now the word of our king but the angel said to her do not be afraid mary you have found favor with god you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then in Zechariah's song, Luke 1, 68 to 75. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. May God bless his word to us. A few years ago, um, uh, Linda and I had joined Audible, and I knew the very first book I wanted to get. It was one I'd been wanting to read. It was a massive biography of Winston Churchill. And when I say massive, it was like over 60 hours long to listen to. And that may seem crazy, but when you understand the life of Winston Churchill, you understand why it would take that long to cover it. He lived an epic life. He was born into a family of nobility. His father was a well-known politician uh, in, uh, in England. In fact, she, uh, Churchill spent much of his life trying to live up to his father's reputation. As a young man, he went off and he fought in the Boer War down in South Africa. He was actually captured, made a POW. This became a famous thing. He escaped. Being a POW, he also began a career in journalism at the time, because he was writing his experience and he was writing about what was going on in the war. He came back, he got involved in politics, but when World War I broke out, he was actually in the trenches in World War I. There were amazing stories. It's shocking he was not killed multiple times. He should have died, but did not die in the war, and Churchill believed the hand of destiny was upon him. Uh, He became, again, the Secretary of the Navy later on, but then he fell out of favor, and it appeared late in his life that Churchill was just going to kind of fade off into the sunset, and then a little event called World War II happened. And Churchill was the one man who had seen clearly what was going on. And so suddenly, out of nowhere, Churchill again rose to prominence, became the prime minister of World War II. But during the war, not only was he leading the war effort, he was writing what became award-winning history of World War II. And then he was voted out, then voted back in again as the prime minister. The story is so incredible that in recent years, they actually described it to British school children. And the kids said, that's a made up person. Nobody did all of that in one life. There's no way. Which is a sad statement (laughs) that Winston Churchill could be that forgotten in this short a period of time. But it's because the story is so epic. And I bring this up because it reminds me of David. Some scholars have said David is a fictional character because it seems too much larger than life, a lowly shepherd boy who becomes a warrior and then becomes the king over the people of Israel, and in fact, the prototype of all kings. But in fact, all of that is true, and all of those Things are actually pointing forward to Christ. I remind you in the song we've been singing that's been kind of a theme song during our whole series here, the verse on Christ is the true and better David says this, Christ the true and better David, lowly shepherd, mighty king. What a a wild juxtaposition. He, He, the champion in battle, Where, O death, is now thy sting? So notice we've got shepherd, king, and warrior all at once. In our place he bled and conquered. Crown him Lord of majesty. His shall be the throne forever. We shall heir, his people be. Because the thing I wanna focus on this morning is David's life is unbelievable, just like the life of Churchill. But both of their lives pale in comparison to Christ the true and better David, the true and better king. He is the real larger than life hero whose life far surpassed David, Churchill, and any other hero we could have. So let's dive into how Jesus does this for us and what good news it is. Number one, notice in both of these texts, Jesus is the son of David. So it's not just that the song kind of has it or we've decided to do this. It's very clear there is a parallel between Jesus and David. Notice in verse 32, the angel tells Mary, he's gonna be great and be called the son of the most high. He's gonna be the son of God. But at the same time, notice, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So notice Jesus is called uh, the son of David. David is his father. Zechariah, likewise, who's actually singing and giving praise to God about John the Baptist, but most of the song is actually about Jesus because John wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for Christ. So he says this, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So he's referencing the fact that John is coming because Jesus is coming. Uh, and in fact, Jesus is coming out of the house of David. He's the house of David. It means he is David's son. It's speaking here that he is physically descended from David. But the reason that that is important is it means he's qualified to fulfill the biblical prophecies that one who comes from David's family, one who comes from David's physical line, is going to be the king over God's people. And that's ultimately what this is about, that Jesus is not just physically descended from David, many people were, but he is the specific descendant who has come to be the king over God's people. And notice how both of these sections in Luke 1 bring this up. In in verses 32 and 33, the the angel says that he'll be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, uh, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will never end. So notice it's all kingly language. He's given the throne of David. He will reign, and I didn't even highlight it, but it's his kingdom. All of this is referencing that Jesus is not just a son of David. He is the son of David who has come to be the king that was long prophesied. And Zechariah brings this up in verses 69 and 70. He's saying he's raised up a horn of salvation. That's a Unusual phrase for us, but in Hebrew terms, horn symbolized strength. It means a strong, mighty one who's coming, and he's coming to save us as a warrior king. And notice what he says in verse 70, that he said this through the prophets long ago. This is not something that Christians just made up and said, hey, we wanna justify why we think Jesus is so important. Zechariah is pointing out before Jesus has even been born that look, the prophets have prophesied this. Everything in the Old Testament, this is why we've done all these devotions, everything in the scripture is riveted on Christ. I say this regularly, but if we're not seeing Jesus in the Bible, that's why we did all these devotions. If you read about the Sabbath and you don't see Christ, you're not understanding the Sabbath. If you read about the high priest and you don't see Christ, you're not understanding the high priest. If you see the promises to Abraham and you're not seeing Jesus, you're not understanding the promises to Abraham. Whoever and whatever it is, it is all pointing forward to Christ. And so Zechariah says, look, the prophets had prophesied this. God had promised David an offspring, a seed who would sit on his throne, one who is going to rule over God's people, fulfilling God's covenant with David and the prophecies about the king. Now, one particular place that we often bring up at this time, it's only one of many, but Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. But notice how it brings up the fact that this is going to be a king who is coming. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So, see, This is not something that Luke is making up for an angel to say. No, the angel is just saying, this has all been foretold. Zechariah is referencing all this and doing it. This is a familiar prophecy at Advent and Christmas. If you listen to Handel's Messiah, right? When do you want to come forward and sing that a little bit for us? (laughs) That's what the choir will do next year, right? Handel's Messiah, just a simple little piece of music. I mean, Handel's Messiah is a stirring piece, but, but one of the things here in it is referencing this exact prophecy. This has long been prophesied, and there are many, many others that are saying, look, I've been talking to you about a seed. As we've seen all the way back to the garden, I've been talking about the seed, and it was the seed of the woman, and it was the seed that was gonna come through Noah. It was the seed that was gonna come through Abraham. And it was the seed that was going to come through David, and that one is going to be the king. And what we're being told by the angel and what we're being told in Zechariah's song is all of that is now coming true in our day, in our time. The king has come to reign over God's people. Now, what I want to spend the rest of the time doing is unpacking what that means because when we think of king, I mean, here in America, first off, we're like, I don't want no king, right? Who voted for him, right? But... We need to understand what it means to be the king biblically. And there's actually three different aspects, all of which kind of came out in that verse in the song that we're singing and that we can see in the scripture. Number one, the king is the shepherd. So Jesus is the true and better king because he is the shepherd over God's people forever. And you should hear, of course, that when we think of shepherd in the Old Testament, who do we think of? David. So there's a fulfillment here. And notice this was specifically spoken to David in Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 2. The people are speaking to David and they're wanting him to be the king. And notice how they put it. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. That's the warrior piece we'll come back to in a minute. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, you will become their ruler. So if you notice, you led us in battle, you're the warrior, you're the shepherd, and you're the king. All three aspects that we're going to unpack here. So notice, David, you're going to be the king, but you've been prepared for this. And in fact, Your time as a shepherd is not like you're changing careers. Instead of just shepherding a little flock, you're now going to shepherd the nation. He will shepherd Israel. This is primary to what it means to be the leader of God's people. Now what's interesting is yesterday, I was reading uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. Fan of Nicomachean Ethics out there? Wow, okay, I thought for sure there'd be a lot of (laughs) y'all. I was actually reading it, and the reason that it it struck me was he was talking about forms of government, and he was talking about the kingship, and he was actually arguing that that was the best form of government, and he said, because the king is the shepherd. And he actually went back and quoted out of Homer's writings in the Iliad and how Agamemnon was supposed to be the shepherd of the people. And I was just struck that even among the Greeks, far removed from Israel. They said, if you wanna know what a king is, a king is a shepherd. Watch how a shepherd tends a flock. That is the heart of what it means to be a king. And the reason for this is because the Lord is my shepherd. See, once again, I wanna remind us, we oftentimes think that David said, you know, I know what it's like to be a shepherd. I'm gonna make God like that. No, the Lord is a shepherd eternally. And therefore, shepherds are a reflection of what that looks like. It's the same thing between a husband and a wife in marriage, it's the same thing uh, with fathers, we are told. All of these, it's not that we have a human thing and then we say, oh, God's like that. No, God is like that, and human things have come into existence because they are the reality. And so the reality is the Lord is the king, is the shepherd. And so even the Greeks had figured that out that that is what a king is supposed to be. But of course, in the Old Testament, we see we even began uh, some of our worship this morning with, oh Lord, you are my shepherd. Because Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages in scripture, the shepherd is the metaphor for what it means to be a king. And we were told in Israel, the problem of course is, how many of Israel's kings were shepherds? See, they were not. They failed over and over again. And so, in fact, there's a prophecy in Ezekiel 34. The whole prophecy is against the shepherds of Israel because rather than tending for and caring for the flock, they've abused them. They've taken from them. They're feeding upon the flock rather than feeding the flock. And so there's this prophecy. It comes home in verses 23 and 24. In Ezekiel 34, he says this, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, of course, Ezekiel's well aware, where's David at this point? His body is long since decayed, okay, to bring up what Peter would bring up later. He's talking about The fulfillment of the covenant with David, David's greater son. I'll place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So notice the Lord says, look, there's a Davidic king coming, and he's finally going to be the true shepherd. Rather than feeding upon the flock, he's going to tend and care for the flock. And so God is saying this was going to be fulfilled. And of course, then Jesus comes and one of the great I am sayings in John's gospel says, I am the good shepherd because I lay my life down for the sheep. See, hirelings have come before, but I'm not a hireling. I am shepherd. And so the good news for us is that Jesus is the true and greater shepherd king who cares for the people of God, tenderly loving and feeding them. Brothers and sisters, whatever is going on in your life, I want to assure you, your shepherd sees. Your shepherd knows. Not not any Look, I and the other elders, we try to be faithful human shepherds. We have such limitations. I mean your shepherd. He loves. He cares. He knows. He is watching over you, and he will deliver and protect you. That is good news. That lets you and I lay our head down in peace at night. Jesus is the true great shepherd king. Number two, Jesus is the warrior king who vanquishes all of the enemies of God's people. So notice again uh, in Zechariah's song, it says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. Again, that's that Hebrew phrase that means he's strong. In the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Notice what this king is doing. He's protecting the people of God to show mercy to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So here, Zechariah is reflecting upon the fact that this one that was coming is not only a son of David, he's not only a shepherd, he is also a warrior. Just like David, the shepherd became David the warrior. As David defeated Goliath and the armies all around, so this king would defeat the enemies of God's people. But I remind you, it's it's a much greater enemy than Goliath. Goliath was never the problem. Death, Satan, sin, the curse are the problem. And Christ has come to defeat them. And notice this is spoken that he's remembering God's covenant with Abraham. And so notice here, if, uh, if you look up, he says, Uh, In Genesis 12, two and three, I remind you of God's covenant with Abraham. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you uh, and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like we, we end every week with that, right? You are blessed, go forth and be a blessing. But notice one of the specific things. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So notice the covenant is not, look, Abram, I'm gonna bless you and if anybody curses you, you out curse them. Is that what he says? No, you don't have to worry about it. I got your back, Abram. It doesn't matter what they do. If they bless you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, I'll curse them. I'll take care of it. What do you do, Abram? You spread blessing. Because you can live without fear. Because friends, if God's got your back, that's, that's somebody good. I, Linda and I have been watching the new season of Reacher. I don't know if anybody, any of you have watched that show. You know, That is one big dude. I mean, good guy to have your back, right? Uh, you know, at, the, at the beginning of this season, you know, he finds out somebody's carjacking this woman and he's like, I'll be right back. And he goes and he deals with it in just a few seconds. right? It's like, good guy to have on your side. Nothing like having God on your side. Amen. You, you've got the ultimate warrior has your back in fulfillment of that covenant. So every week when we say you are blessed, you are blessed. No one can curse you. You, you are covered with Teflon when it comes to a curse. It just slides right off. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they kill me and chop me into a million pieces. Our Lord is gonna raise every one of those and I'm gonna stand before him in blessing forever and ever and ever, Amen. amen. There is nothing they can do. This is what Christ has done for us. This is how he has come over us. Others may curse, but we can bless because we are in Christ who has done this. He has vanquished our enemies, not other humans, but Satan and death so that we can serve God without fear. Notice, they'll throw up that song again, the, the verse that we were singing. Notice what, what they did there. You know, he's to true and better David, lowly shepherd, mighty king. We could be singing about David, right? He the champion in battle. It could be about David, right? But notice, it's not Goliath. Where, O death, is now thy sting, Christ coming has freed us from death. We could take time to go to Hebrews 2 where we're told we've been held in bondage by a fear of death all our days. Christ has come to free us from that because death is just the door to life. That's all it is. It's just the door to everlasting blessing and everlasting life. That is the ultimate deliverance. So Jesus is not only our shepherd king, he is our true and greater warrior king, delivering us from Satan and death so that we never have to fear anyone or anything because whatever happens on earth will live, we will live forever with God. Whatever goes on in this life, when they speak curse, Jesus is a filter and it turns into blessing. No matter what they say, no matter what they do. Believe this, brothers and sisters. And then the last thing is Jesus is the king, the one who rules over God's people perfectly. So again, going back to Isaiah 9-7 that we quoted a few minutes ago because Zechariah spoke of these prophets. Notice what it says he does. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The, the goal of a king is supposed to be to establish justice and righteousness. That's why in reading Aristotle's book on ethics, I was shocked at first when he started talking about government because I was thinking of personal ethics. But what he's saying is the goal of of all of us is supposed to be righteousness, justice, true character. And therefore what a king is supposed to do is to ensure that, to reward that, to establish that before us. But of course the problem is many kings rule wrongfully. Most of us don't think righteousness, justice, politicians. Am I right? For any of you, if we do a word association game and I say righteousness, who in here says politician? Right? Just not what comes to mind. But see, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Many people rule wrongly because they use the people. They reign in wickedness. But Jesus rules with perfect justice and righteousness. The fact is, David was a great king. He is the standard by which, I mean, read the Old Testament and what do you hear over and over again? When a king comes up, they're like, this guy was a good king. I mean, not as good as David, but he was a good king. Okay, but does anybody remember any instance where maybe David didn't shine at his best? Anybody remember any instance where David used his power to establish wickedness, to cover his own sin? Because no matter who the ruler or leader is, if they are a human ruler, they will fail. They will at times not live up to their own ideals. This is one of the problems in our culture right now with cancel culture. I can go ahead and say it. If you're going to do that because people did stupid things, then cancel everybody except for Jesus because we all do it. Even David did. This is why we need a true and a better David who will never do that, one who will perfectly reign and always do that which is righteous and just. Now, the reality is, do we always understand how what Jesus is doing is working out for righteousness and justice? If you think you do, you're not paying attention. Okay, there's a lot of stuff I can look around in the world right now and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not sure what it is that you're doing here, okay? I'm not sure what it is you're doing. We don't always understand what he's doing or how things will work out, but see, we can rest in peace knowing that he always does right and he will work all things to his glory and our good. In the end, he's gonna work it out. If you're honest, you know, and even as Tony said earlier, see, one of the problems today, we we so exalt our doubt That if in the moment I don't understand, I cling to my doubt. But see, God says, doubt your doubt. Hold on. Salvation is coming. Nobody thought in Israel this was the prime time for salvation. It seemed like everything had fallen apart, but God was working. I dare say when David rose up, nobody was expecting that day. I mean, Goliath had come out every day. He shouted, he hollered. What did everybody do? They all quaked in their boots, okay? They were all fearful, including Saul. Nobody was expecting, oh, the little kid that's been hanging out with the sheep, he's gonna come resolve this problem. But see, that's the way God works. He does not work the way we expect. I mean, I dare say nobody expected. I wonder if when the wise men came following it, what they were expecting was a little child. I'm willing to bet they probably didn't. That, that's not, well. this is your shepherd warrior king. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me, Lord. But if we will hang on in faith, God does fulfill his word. And the other thing is to notice here that Jesus' reign is perfect because it lasts forever. See, even if there was a human king who ruled with perfect justice, their reign ends when they die. And if we look back through history, what's the record of their sons following them? Yeah, it's usually not good, okay? But notice what it says in Luke one thirty-three: he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. His kingdom will never And see, there's a phrase there that even when you look at David, and let's just set aside his problems for a moment, then David dies, and Solomon comes, and Solomon starts well and doesn't end well, and then Rehoboam comes, and he's just a mess from the get-go. I mean, do you notice that? I mean, Solomon, the wisest man, and Rehoboam is the epitome of a fool, Their their kingdoms can never last, but this kingdom lasts forever. So, Jesus is the true and better king who always rules justly, always works for the glory of God and the good of his people, and he does that now and all the way into eternity. He's never going to change, and his purposes for us are always good. So, how do we apply this? It's very simple. Do I see that Jesus is the true and better king? Again, understanding what a king is, David was a good shepherd warrior king. And let's, let's be clear, even with the Bathsheba thing, the Tamar, some bad chapters, just like when I read Winston Churchill, amazing stuff, there's bad chapters. There just are. If you read George Washington, we went to Mount Vernon last week, amazing stuff, bad chapters, okay? But David was good in spite of that. He was a good shepherd, warrior, king. But Jesus far surpasses him. David's a good shepherd, but Jesus is the Lord who is our shepherd who always sees and always watches over you. I, I wanna again stress, you are never not seen. You are never hidden from the sight of your shepherd. Brothers and sisters, know that. Let that sink deep into your soul. Jesus is, you know, David defeated Goliath and he delivered God's people temporarily. Temporarily, but of course, we keep reading These enemies keep cropping up on Israel. They keep coming back because it's always only a temporary deliverance. But Jesus conquers Satan and death on our behalf, gives us eternal life and eternal blessing, and no one can take it away. In John 10, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and he does all this, he says, uh, no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one, and, and then he even talks about us being in the Father's hand. I mean, you are, you are wrapped in the hands of Christ, wrapped in the hands of the Father, and surrounded by the powerful protection of the Holy Spirit. No one can take you from the people of God. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Again, it does not matter what happens in this life. Christ has secured your victory, and your place forever. Your faith may feel like it is faltering, it is wavering. Here's the good news, it's not up to your faith. It's up to his, and he will never let you go. And then Jesus is also, I mean, David is a good king, but he failed, as all leaders do, and then he died. I mean, if you go through and you read all the way back in Genesis 5, right? We start with the genealogy. And no matter how long they lived or what they did that it tells us, how does it end? What's the last sentence for them? And he died. And he died. I mean, God's very into repetition there. Okay, what I told you in the garden? Came to pass. And he died. And it happens with every good king. But our king has conquered death. He defeated death, and he's done it not only for himself, but for us. He's given us eternal life and blessing. And this means that even though David's a good king and he fails, that Jesus has come. He establishes perfect righteousness for us, he lives forever, and he leads us into eternal shalom and blessing. Um, I, I've already said, I'm going to be talking next week some more about blessing. I want you to know God speaks. Every morning you wake up and God says shalom. Every night you lay down and God says blessing over you. Not because you had a good day, Jesus had a good eternity Amen. in your place. Amen. And he has secured blessing for you. That means your cup runs over. Not a little bit. Not not just a small amount in there, your cup runs over with blessing. That is the gift of Christ to you. So if you are here and you have never looked to Christ, I wanna urge you, look to him. Come to him and say, I wanna be part of your flock. Now, you know, I was talking with somebody uh, a week or two ago. It's It's not the nicest thing that God says we're sheep. Sheep are not the brightest creatures in the world. They're also utterly defenseless. Yes, they're dumber than a post, okay? It's true, just go look at them. It's not the most flattering metaphor I gotta point out. But here's the good news. If you admit I'm a sheep, he says I'm a shepherd. And he is the shepherd you and I want. Better to admit I'm a poor, dumb, defenseless sheep and know that Jesus is there with me. If you've never done that, look to him. Because whether you admit it or not, you're a sheep. That's what you are. And it's what I am. But he is a good shepherd. And brothers and sisters, for the rest of us, It is just encouragement. Remember who we have. We're gonna come to the table of the true and better king. And um, I don't think I had even told Tom, but we're gonna be reciting Psalm 23 that he began. It's almost like the Lord worked that out. Um, That Tom began us with Psalm 23. And we're going to be reading Psalm 23 together here uh, because this psalm, actually lays out, again, the aspects of Jesus, uh, of you know, the, the Lord being a shepherd, the Lord being also a warrior who seats us in the midst of the enemy, and the king who provides a table for his people. And all of this is yours in Christ. So let's stand together, and we're gonna recite Psalm 23, and then we will come to the Lord's table because what a beautiful picture as this psalm leads us to... The table. So brothers and sisters, if you believe that Jesus is your shepherd, recite this in faith together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. If you can put that back up, Danny, that last verse there, I want to remind y'all of something. Something I I learned when I read Hebrew, and I don't remember a lot of Hebrew. It's not my best language, but I do remember this. The word follow is, is too weak a word. In that song we sang, it actually captures it much better that the word is usually used that Saul followed David in the wilderness. This is not wandering around like the pokey little puppy, and maybe you're cross paths. It's usually used to pursue, even to persecute. In other words, I am intent on coming to you. But here's the good news: there are enemies that want you, but they can't have you because goodness and love, God's covenant mercy, that's that word said, undeserved mercy of God is pursuing you, is chasing you. It will track you down. That's the gospel. That is what God has done for us. And because his love has captured you, come to the table. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this all of you in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Brothers and sisters, you are invited to this table. We're going to pass out the elements in a moment. You can grab the cup. There's two cups together. And as we grab these cups and we do this and we're taking this time to reflect, I want you to hear from the Lord. Okay, he is here to bring healing. He is your shepherd, your warrior, your king, and he is here to give you blessing at his table. Come in faith to receive. Let's pass out the elements. The scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, we thank you that you are our shepherd leads us to green pastures, giving us our daily bread. But even more, you are the shepherd of our souls, who seats us at your table to feast upon the true living bread. As your flock, we hear your voice and we receive from you now. People of God, take and eat. The scripture says the Lord is a warrior. Lord, you are the great warrior, vanquishing our foes so that we might live before you all our days without fear. We thank you that though Satan rails against us, we overcome him by the blood of Jesus. So that we need no longer fear even death itself for his blood has secured for us eternal life. As your people we praise you and we receive the benefits that you have given to us as our warrior fresh and anew. People of God take and drink. Let's stand together for our concluding prayer and benediction. The scripture says the Lord is the king over all the earth. Lord, you are the great king over all the earth, ruling and reigning even now. Though you humbled yourself, taking our flesh, even coming as a little babe, through your death, and resurrection, you are exalted to the highest place. And you now have all authority in heaven and on earth. So today, Lord, we proclaim that we are your willing subjects, grateful for your rule in our life. And Lord, we ask that you would empower us by your spirit so that we might obey your will, and through our acts of sacrifice and love, extend your kingdom throughout the earth. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus, our true and better shepherd, warrior, king, and God's people say, amen. Amen. Now receive the blessing of God, grace and peace, to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from his Holy Spirit and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. You are filled with every blessing by your shepherd warrior king. Go forth without fear and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.